Jesus is the light. The saints would say, this little light of mine, I've got to let it shine. Jesus is the light. Anybody know that he's the light in your life? Yeah. We greet you today in the grace and love of God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to see all of you this morning. Amen. Well, I guess y'all glad to be here. You're not here because you've been good all by yourself. You're here because of God's grace and his mercy that you got one more time. Amen, amen. I did want to share with you, uh, Larry, would you just show Mother Frances for me, please? All right. This is Mother Frances. Last week, we pastor recorded the birthday song. She made it to 114 years. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord has blessed her. She's in her right mind. She's got a wonderful group of caretakers. And every time you visit with her, she will talk with you all day about everything. One of the things I notice is that her station on her TV does not move away from TBN. So she's listening to the word all day long. But she's a wonderful spirit, lovely spirit, and uh, they're going to continue to celebrate her today. They have something else for her this afternoon at the house. So they're just going to make sure that they celebrate this 114 years. Amen. As recorded uh, nationwide, she is the second oldest uh, recording of a, a citizen in the United States. So we thank God that she's here and a part of this church family. Amen. All right. Uh, let us pray. God, we come now at this time to hear from you to hear a word from you, Lord. We pray that while we hear from you, Lord, that you remind us afresh that you are God, and that you are the God of our salvation. You are the God that keeps us morning, noon, and night. So we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture, you have your handouts with you. Our scripture this morning is found in the New Testament, in the Acts, the Gospel of Acts, in the 13th chapter. And let me read it for your hearing. Acts 13, verses 26 through 30. And the word of God reads, Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing this, they fulfilled the prophets' words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecies said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. The grass withers and the flower fades thereof, 
but the word of our God shall stand forever. Growing up as a youngster, and so many of you young fellows won't know about this, but I was a, a sports junkie. But the only thing that we had for ourselves was this Saturday show that was called The Wide World of Sports. And uh, when you would get to Saturday, that was your only opportunity to see sports across the world. It's not today's environment. You can look at it anytime, all day long. But back then, you looked forward to that. And, and the world, wide world of sports covered all of it, baseball, basketball, everything. And that was before you had social media. And this on Saturdays was the thing to do. And, and the, the theme song would come on, spanning the globe. And you, you see all of these images, and they'd have a skier flying through the air. And then they would say, the thrill of victory. And then the next scene they would show is someone crashing, and they say, the agony of defeat. And then they would go into all of the sports that they were going to cover. And I thought about that and how in life we have the thrill of victory, and then we have the agony of defeat. And on this journey, as we live in that up and down of life, as we live with those conditions that today is good, tomorrow is so-so, this roller coaster ride of life that we all endure at some point in time, things send us on a merry-go-round. If things get us happy today and sad tomorrow. The things that, that we hope will work out and then they don't work out. And so we are constantly on this merry-go-round, this up and down. The proverbial merry-go-round that does not give us hope at all. So we find no hope, we find no joy. All we find is trouble in our way. So how do we handle that? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question this morning. And you know, one of the things I like about my Good Hope family, you always ask the right questions. <laughs> so this morning, for a few minutes, I want to spend a little time helping us to find hope in your circumstances. Finding hope in your circumstances. My prayer today is that you will allow the Word of God to encourage you on the journey that we're on. And in this passage that we're going to look at today, I believe that there are three principles that will help us find hope in our circumstances. Uh, this passage of scripture is found in the book of Acts, and Acts is considered sometimes to be the fifth gospel. It's considered sometimes also as the, Holy, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It continues the gospel message that we read about in James, John, I mean in John, Mark, Luke, and the gospel that we, that we all dearly love is the gospel of John. And so when we look at the four gospels, we come now to Acts, which is the gospel that continues that message. And we find the Apostle Paul here in the 13th chapter, where he has gone out on his first missionary journey. And then he finds himself in this journey where he was accustomed to doing, to going into the synagogues to preach among the Jews and the Gentiles. And here, while he's in the synagogue, he seizes the moment to share the gospel. And in this moment, he recounts the historical event about Jesus and how he was crucified. And Paul takes this opportunity 
to tell this group of people that have gathered to understand and study Judaism, but he says, no, I come to talk about the gospel. I didn't come to talk about that. And so when he takes this time, he begins to talk about the picture, the image of what happened to Jesus and the significance of what happened to Jesus. And so when we look at this particular passage of scripture, we are looking at a message from a gospel preacher to tell to a dying world about what Jesus has done. So the first principle I need you to see here in the text is that if we're going to find hope in our circumstances, the first thing we need to do is we need to recognize circumstances in life can lead you to change your perspective. Circumstances can lead you to change your perspective. Here in this text, it uses the word in verse 27, they condemned him. That's a plural pronoun. And, and here it says they, and, and it, was, it was talking about his enemies. And, and you know, I used to always worry about that, that word they. I would hear my mama talking about, but girl, they tell me. And I would want to, one day when I got grown and cocated, comfortable to ask, I say, Mama, who is they? <laughs> I didn't get my answer. But in this text, they is the enemy of God. It's the people in Jerusalem and the religious leaders, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the, the ones that had it out for Jesus, the people of the leaders of that day. They had their own circumstances that they were dealing with. And because of that, they were expecting a Jesus that didn't come the way that they wanted him to come. So they didn't recognize Jesus. Uh, this Israel that he came to was not the Israel of the Jordan on the other side of the Jordan River. This was not the uh, Israel that came that experienced the land of milk and honey. This was not the Israel that had all of the good things. No, this Israel was under Roman rule. This was a different kind of Israel. This Israel was in many ways in slavery. They were poor. They were rebellious. They were disobedient. Uh, some had prosperity. Many did not. But all of them suffered under the burden of heavy taxes. So they were looking for a savior to save them from the circumstances. Their difficulties, many of their difficulties, I should say, came from rebellion and disobedience. Uh, their history with God, they, they expected God to deliver him, them just as he had delivered before. They were expecting a warrior king to come, and they were expecting a Messiah that would restore them to the national glory that they were accustomed to. Their pride, their arrogance caused them to walk in blindness, to walk in spiritual blindness. Now, an interesting thing is that Paul was in the synagogue, and this is where they heard the word, and they studied the word, and they knew the word, so they knew what the word of God said, yet they could not see Jesus in front of them. You can study the word diligently, but pride and arrogance will blind you. When it comes to your circumstances, it can cause you to have a hard heart. Jesus dealt with that when he went into the synagogue to, to preach, and, and there was a man with a withered hand, and they didn't want him in there, but Jesus had that man to stretch his hand out, and he healed his withered hand. And because he healed his withered hand on the Sabbath, they got upset. And they said, that, that, who is this man? And so Jesus got out of there and he says, he looked around at them with anger. 
and he grieved at the hardness of their heart. Sometimes when we're looking for Jesus to show up one way and he doesn't, our hearts are hardened by our circumstances. Israel wanted circumstances to change their way. What, what do you see in your circumstances? You want it to change the way you want it to change. You want it to be different your way. You want it to work out the way you want it to work out. You want it to be A, B, C. And oftentimes God will come in with an alphabet that's all over the place. And you have to figure it out. What are you expecting God to do? You want him to do it your way. You know that supervisor from hell, you wanting him to take him out. <laughs> the rebellious children that just won't get right. Lord, you lay your hand on them. Because my hands are tied. That spouse is acting like not only are you from Venus, from Mars too. You want God to handle it your way. But when we allow God to handle it his way, things work out according to God's plan. And so when you seek God and you seek God in your circumstances, you really do what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 11 and 6. It says that without faith it is impossible to please him. But he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Seek God and he will reward your faith. Israel's blindness and hard heart led them to do something they didn't even know what they were doing. The text says that they unknowingly fulfilled scripture that they had read and taught. That word fulfilled is to, to satisfy, to, to make full. It carries the same idea when Jesus was on the cross and he said it is finished. So they did something that they didn't even know that they were doing. Their blindness would not let them see. They had an altered perspective of what was going on. It would let them see that the light of the world was among them. That the liberator for them had come to give them liberty. Their warrior king, who didn't come in on a horse, but in humility he came in on a donkey. And because of their real life circumstances, it caused them to lack perspective. That happens to us. I read a story about a boy was looking at the reflection of the moon in a pond. And a friend of his came and threw a stone in the pond and the, it created ripples in the water. And so as the boy kept looking at the pond, he, he noticed that he could no longer see the reflection of the moon. And he asked, looks like the moon is gone. And the friend says, when you can't see the moon in the pond, Stop looking at the pond. Look up at the moon. Because the moon has not gone anywhere. Life circumstances sometimes gives us some ripples. It gets worse. You try to do good and it gets worse. You try to make it better and it gets worse. Look at God. He'll help you in the ripples of your circumstances. He's the same God yesterday today and forevermore. Keep your eyes on God. The second thing I need you to see here in this text is that if you're going to find hope in your circumstances, you need to recognize your circumstances can lead you to defeat. When they had done all that the prophecy said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. Now, this, this might rub you the wrong way, and I understand that. 
If you listen to prosperity gospel, you're going to be thrown off. I get that. That crowd won't like this. But life sometimes is unfair. Life sometimes just don't work out like you want it to work out. God didn't promise us that. Matter of fact, what he did promise that he would send us a savior for our sinful ways. They here in this text, the enemies wanted to defeat God's son because of their blindness and arrogance and hard heart. They didn't see anything else. The text says they did all that the prophecies said about them. They took him down, placed him in a tomb. And that tomb, that's a graveyard that, that represents the end. And that tomb represents defeat. That tomb represents no hope. Defeat will have you to think you have no hope. And, 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 and the other thing that was happening here is that the disciples were facing their own circumstances. One that was among them had betrayed Jesus. There were 12 and now it was just 11. They disappeared because of the fear of their own death. Nine of them couldn't be found. One of them stood at the foot of the cross. Their leader had been defeated. Their leader was dead. Their leader and all of their hopes was in a tomb. His claims that he had made to them was in a tomb. They had their own issues they was trying to deal with. Life circumstances can bring you to the agony of defeat. Oh, you've been there. Lose that promotion to the one that's less qualified. Your spouse walks out on your marriage and you're so defeated that you keep your ring on, but you keep it on the wrong finger. Life defeats you. Your health fails and they tell you there is no cure. You're defeated. You go to work thinking all is okay and you have that meeting that says today is your last day. Defeat. The child that you've been praying over and over and over still continues to live an ungodly life, De defeat. Your month is longer than your money, but sometimes it's months that are longer than your money. Defeat. You started a business, and now you're broke. Defeat. You've been to the cemetery too many times, buried too many family members. Defeat. You take two steps forward, and fall five backwards. Defeat. And just like the disciples and friends that we have, that we have and we expect to be there for us, they have their own issues. And you find that they ghost you and they can't be found. Sometimes circumstances will be too much for us to bear. And I got news for you and I need to dispel this notion that people say God won't put more on you than you can bear. I got to tell you that that's a lie. God will put more on you than you can bear. And the reason that he does that is because he needs you to trust him. He needs you to come to him. He needs you to look to him to help you. He's sovereign. He knows it all. He's everywhere at the same time. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. So that's why in Matthew eleven twenty eight he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Yes, he wants you to bring those circumstances to him. He wants you to bring them to him. Even when you're defeated, bring the circumstances to him. So sometimes when circumstances defeat us, it's because we need to be the subject so that we can teach somebody. 
Oh, I got company there. Joseph, his family didn't like him. They sold him off. His text says in the story in Genesis that they did all kinds of things to Joseph to get rid of him. But God took care of Joseph. And here in verse Genesis 50 and 20, he, Joseph talking to his brothers, he said, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Joseph now was in a position to take care of his family. God sometimes uses the circumstances so that you can help somebody. Sometimes he uses circumstances in the defeat so that you might be able to show somebody the light of the Lord. Daniel here uh, in Daniel 6.22 when they threw him into the lion's den and they thought he was going to be eaten up. So all night long, God kept Daniel. He shut the mouths of the lions. And then when they came to check on him the next morning, he says, to, to the king, he said, my God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, my majesty. Daniel shows us that God will show up when we are facing defeat. He was in the lion's den, surely to be taken out. But Daniel said, God took care of me. And in order for you and I to understand some of our circumstances, sometimes God gives us a circumstances to lead somebody to a saving faith. Oh, walk with me here. There are three Hebrew boys in Daniel that, that they didn't bow down to the king. And because they didn't bow down to the king, they wound and found themselves up in a fiery furnace. And as they were in the fiery furnace, the Bible says that the king looked in. The king was an unbeliever, and he looked in and he said, wait, didn't we throw three in there? I see a fourth one. And when he determined that there was something else going on, he released the three Hebrew boys. And the, 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 what really gets me is that when he released them, the text says that they didn't have a smell of smoke on them. So they were defeated, but nothing else touched them. And in, the, in that story of Daniel in, in, in chapter 3, verse 29, this is what the king did. He saw what God did and he says, because of their faith, there is no other God that can deliver like this. So sometimes your circumstances, you might be able to lead somebody to a saving faith. That the God that you serve will take care of you. Have your circumstances provoked you to praise God instead of cussing and fussing? Has your faith been strengthened instead of you saying, woe is me? God sometimes uses our circumstances beyond what we can imagine or think. And here in this text, we see another group here. In this group, they, well, the first group was enemies. Now, this other group that we see here in the text are friends. And sometimes friends will show up when you're defeated. Sometimes they'll show up, that real BFF will show up. You know, sometimes we think we got a BFF and they turn out to be a WFF, <laughs> the worst friend forever. But the real one shows up. 
God sends an encourager. A relative loves on you. And God sends a faithful believer to bless you beyond what you could imagine or hope. God takes care of us in the defeat. God sends his friends because he tells us that he will never forsake us nor leave us. He shows up when we need him. Uh, I read a story about Robinson Crusoe. Many, many of you might know that story. It was written by Daniel Defoe. And, and one of the things that, that the story really depicts is how to have hope in circumstances. And he shipwrecked, Robinson Crusoe shipwrecked down on a deserted island. He lost all of his provisions. But his take on it was, well, the island has food and water. He lost all his clothes. They said, well, it's hot. I can go with what I got. <laughs> On a desolate island, nobody around. He says, well, I'm still alive. I did not drown. Finding hope in your circumstances sometimes means that we got to look at the bright side. Sometimes the bright side is all we need to take us through. Look for the bright side. The last thing here in this text I need you to see if you're going to find hope in your circumstances. You must recognize that those same circumstances can lead you to victory. Verse 30 says, but God raised him from the dead. Circumstances can lead you to change your spiritual perspective. Circumstances can lead you to defeat, but the same ones can lead you to victory. Now, in verse 30, the message switches. It starts with the word but. But is a conjunction. You know, when you're in school, one of the ways I remember that is that they would say conjunction, conjunction, what is your function? <laughs> uh, that word but functions as a contrast to everything that you read before. It's been a change. And here, another way to say that, Bud, is that on the contrary, you, you, you might have been defeated, but on the contrary, you might have been taken out, but on the contrary. And, and here in this text, when we see that, but to the left of that, but as a, a Christian writer wrote, is hopelessness, darkness, death. But on the right of that hope, that but is hope, is joy. Is light, is life. That but changes your situation. That but makes it look different. That but makes it feel different. And, and y'all, when I, when I study this and I look at it, and, and every time I get to verse 30, I want to shout. Because verse 30 switches the, the story. Verse 30 takes the story another way. Verse 30 is the, is the verse that just shakes everything up. And, and, and I've been looking at this verse all week long. I've been looking at it, and every time I get to it, I can't hold my water. That it, gets, it gets to me because verse 30 lifts my burdens. Verse 30 tells me something else. When I get to verse 30, I go from hopelessness to hope. When I get there, I go from from not feeling good to feeling a whole lot better. Uh, when I get to verse 30, I got assurance. When I get to verse 30, I got joy. When I get there, I got peace. Because on the other side of verse 30, things change. Uh, verse 30 has victory 
for every blood-brought believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 30 makes a change. Now, now when I read verse 30 in the various uh, translations, uh, 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 this particular verse, some of them uses a comma. Some use a semicolon. Some use a period. And, and, and what I learned in school is that when you have a period, that's a complete sentence, which means you have a subject and a verb. But this is an independent clause in the text. And in an independent clause, it stands all by itself. You ain't got to add nothing to it, but it stands by itself. And the translation that really got to me was the one that had an exclamation point. And when I saw that, I started shouting. That's what I'm looking for. The period is okay, the semicolon is okay, but I need an exclamation point. Because it said, but God raised him from the dead. I needed some behind that. And that was that exclamation point. And that helped me to look at this text. It helped me to understand what God was doing. And in your circumstances that you're living with, I want you to know that you have victory because you have a but God. You have victory because whatever is going on, there is a but God. Whatever has happened, there is a but God. And when I saw this, I got happy all over again. Even last night, I couldn't rest because I was thinking about verse 30. And in verse 30, I was reminded of Romans 8 and 37 that all things work together with things that love the Lord. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors, conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 30. Two things I want to share with you before I take my seat. This independent clause is so strong that it sends a message to all of humanity that God is real. That message tells us that the God we serve is none other uh, like other gods. When you see verse 30, it, it has for Christianity a difference to all of the major religions that's based on personalities and philosophical systems. When you think about the other religions, you think about Abraham. He's the father of Judaism. He sleeps with the fathers. You think about Buddha. When he died, he told his followers that nothing will follow him. And when you think about Muhammad, he, he died in 632 A.D. Many today visit his tomb. All three religions agree that the founders never came up out of the dust of the earth. A songwriter put it this way, there is an empty grave that proves my Savior lives. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives. Verse 30. Out of 66 books and over 31,000 verses, 775 words in the Bible, there are two words that make the difference between a dead religion and a live faith. There are two words that have salvation power. Two words that solidify our faith. Uh, two words that change our circumstances. Uh, two words that tells us that the God we serve will help us 
through our circumstances. Uh, these two words remind us afresh that God is not asleep. The text says, but God. Yeah, but, but God. But God. Reminds us that whatever has happened, you got to but God. Yeah, your husband walked out, but God softened his heart and brought him back home. Yes, but God. You had a problem at work and they told you that you were on the layoff list, but God took your name off the list. You got a problem with your family and, and it doesn't look good, but God came in with his spirit and he moved on the hearts of everybody in the family and now everything is at peace, but God did it. They told you that you went to the doctor and they told you, well, the news is not good. You only got two months. But God let you stay here six more years. But God. But God has made the difference between a doctor's prognosis and what you can hear from him. God makes the difference. Uh, many of us have come and understood that on the other side of the COVID pandemic, we had a but God experience. We had to go to some funerals and say bye to somebody, but God kept us here. We had to say, I can't, can't handle this no more, but God kept us through it. We didn't know how it was going to turn out, but God kept us through it. We didn't know what the situation was going to be, but God. Somebody here today, you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it tomorrow, but I got news for you. Today, you got a but God because you're in the house today. You don't know what the day going to work out, but you're in the house today. But God got you here today. But God is going to tell you defeat was yesterday, but victory is today. But God, but God. Now, when you, when you hear these gospel preachers, you know, they make, they make a little joke about us. They say we got three points and a point. I'm guilty. Three points and a point. And I got one in if I put my hand on it. Give me a second. All right. Here it is. Now, let me apologize. Maya Angelou, she ain't got to worry about it. I know we have some, some poets here in the family. God bless you. This ain't, something's going to threaten you. All right. But, but here it is. But God. 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 